Chapter 25 of Mary Annerley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Annerley by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter 25 Down Among the Dead Weeds. Can it be supposed that all this time Master Geoffrey Mordox of the city of York, land agent, surveyor, and general factor, and maker, and doer of everything, whether general or particular, was spending his days in doing nothing, and his nights in dreaming? If so, he must have had a sunstroke on that very bright day of the year when he stirred up the minds of the washerwomen and the tongue of Widow Precious. But Flamborough is not at all the place for sunstroke although it reflects so much in the whitewash. Neither had Mordox the head to be sunstruck, but a hard, impenetrable, wiry pall, as weatherproof as felt asphalted. At first sight almost everybody said that he must have been a soldier at a time when soldiers were made of iron, whalebone, whipcord, and ramrods. Such opinions he rewarded with a grin and shook his straight shoulders straighter. If pride of any sort was not beneath him, as a matter of strict business, it was the pride which allowed his friends to take his military figure and aspect. This gentleman's place of business was scarcely equal to the expectations which might have been formed from a view of the owner. The old king's staith on the right hand, after crossing Ouse Bridge from Micklegate, is a passageway scarcely to be called a street combining the features of an alley, a lane, a jetty, a quay, and a barge-walk, and ending ignominiously. Nevertheless, it is a lively place sometimes, and in moments of excitement. Also it is a good place for business, and for brogue of the broadest, and a man who is unable to be happy there must have something on his mind unusual. Geoffrey Mordox had nothing on his mind except other people's business, which, as in the case of lawyer Jellycourse, is a very favorable state of the human constitution for happiness. But though Mr. Mordax attended so to other people's business, he would not have anybody attend to his. No partner, no clerk, no pupil had a hand in the inner breast pockets of his business. There was nothing mysterious about his work, but he liked to follow it out alone. Things that were honest and wise came to him to be carried out with judgment, and he knew that the best way to carry them out is to act with discreet candor, for the slug shall be known by its slime, and the spider who shams death shall receive it. Now here upon a very sad November afternoon, when the northern day was narrowing in, and the ooze, which is usually of a ginger color, was nearly as dark as a nutmeg, and the bridge, and the stathe, and the houses, and the people, resembled one another in tint and tone, while between the minster and the Clifford Tower there was not much difference of outline. Here and now Master Geoffrey Mordox was sitting in the little room where strangers were received. The live part of his household consisted of his daughter and a very young Geoffrey, who did more harm than good, and a thoroughly hard-working country maid whose slowness was gradually giving way to pressure. The weather was enough to make anybody dull, and the sap of every human thing insipid, and the time of day suggested tea, hot-cakes, and the crossing of comfortable legs. Mordax could well afford all these good things, and he never was hard upon his family. But every day he liked to feel that he had earned the bread of it, and this day he had labored without seeming to earn anything. 
for after all the ordinary business of the morning he had been devoting several hours to the diligent revisal of his premises and data in a matter which he was resolved to carry through both for his credit and his interest and this was the matter which had cost him two days ride from york to flamborough and three days on the road home as was natural after such a dinner as he made in little denmark but all that trouble he would not have minded especially after his enjoyment of the place if it had only borne good fruit he had felt quite certain that it must do this and that he would have to pay another visit to the head and eat another duck and have a flirt with the widow precious but up to the present time nothing had come of it and so far as he could see he might just as well have spared himself that long rough ride three months had passed and that surely was enough for even flamborough folk to do something if they ever meant to do it it was plain that he had been misled for once that what he suspected had not come to pass and that he must seek elsewhere the light which had gleamed upon him vainly from the danish town to this end he went through all his case again while hope being very hard to beat as usual kept on rambling over everything unsettled with a very sage conviction that there must be something there, and doubly sure because there was no sign of it. Men at the time of life which he had reached, conducting their bodies with less suppleness of joint and administering food to them with greater care, begin to have doubts about their intellect as well, whether it can work as briskly as it used to do, and the mind falling under this discouragement of doubt asserts itself amiss, in making futile strokes even as a gardener can never work his best while conscious of suspicious glances through the window blinds geoffrey mordox told himself that it could not be the self it used to be in the days when no mistakes were made but everything was evident at half a glance and carried out successfully with only half a hand in this flamborough matter he had felt no doubt of running triumphantly through and being crowned with five hundred pounds in one issue of the case and five thousand in the other but lo here was nothing and he must reply by the next mail that he had made a sad mistake suddenly while he was rubbing his wiry head with irritation and poring over his letters for some clue like a dunce going back through his pothooks suddenly a great knock sounded through the house one two three like the thumping of a mallet on a cask, to learn whether any beer may still be hoped for. "'This must be a Flamborough man,' cried Master Mordox, jumping up. "'That is how I heard them do it. They knock the doors instead of knocking at them. It would be a very strange thing just now if news were to come from Flamborough, but the stranger a thing is, the more it can be trusted, as often is the case with human beings. Whoever it is, show them up at once.' he shouted down the narrow stairs for no small noise was arising in the passage i canna come up i want i canna was the answer in kitty's well-known brogue how can i when i hadn't got on our legs oh i see said mr mordox to himself my veteran friend from the watch-tower doubtless a man with no legs would not have come so far for nothing show the gentleman into the parlour kitty and Miss Arabella may bring her work up here. The general factor, though eager for the news, knew better than to show any haste about it, so he kept the old mariner just long enough in waiting to damp a too covetous ardor. 
and then he complacently locked Arabella in her bedroom and bolted off Kitty in the basement, because they both were sadly inquisitive, and this strange arrival had excited them. Ah, mine ancient friend of the tower, veteran Joseph, if my memory is right, Mr. Mordox exclaimed in his lively way as he went up and offered the old tar both hands to seat him in state upon the sofa. But the legless sailor condemned them swabs and crutched himself into a hard-bottomed chair. Then he pulled off his hat and wiped his white head with a shred of old flag and began hunting for his pipe. First time I ever was in York City, and don't think much of it if this here is a sample. "'Joseph, you must not be supercilious,' his host replied with an amiable smile. "'You will see things better through a glass of grog, and the state of weather points to something dark. "'You have had a long journey, and the scenery is new. "'Rum shall it be, my friend? "'Your countenance says yes. "'Rum like a ruby of the finest water have I, "'and no water shall you have with it. "'Said I well?' A man without legs must keep himself well above water. First time I ever was in York City, the ancient watchman answered. And grog must be done as they does it here. A berth of them old walls would suit me well, and no need to travel such a distance for my beer. And you would be a man of all the world for such a berth, said Master Mordox gravely, as he poured the sparkling liquor into a glass that was really a tumbler. For such a post we want a man who is himself a post, a man who will not quit his duty, just because he cannot, which is the only way of making sure. Joseph, your idea is a very good one, and your beer should be brought to you in the middle of each watch. You shall be appointed. Sir, I am obliged to you, said the watchman, but never could I live a month without a wink of sea stuff coming of the clouds and the dipping of the land and the waiting of the distance for what may come to be in it, let alone how they goes changing of their color and making of a noise that is always out of sight, is the very same as my beer is to me. Master, I never could get on without it. Well, I can understand a thing like that, Mordox answered graciously. My water butt leaked for three weeks. "'all night long upon a piece of slate. "'And when a man came and cocked it up, "'I put all the blame upon the pillow. "'But the pillow was as good as ever. "'Not a wink could I sleep till it began to leak again, "'and you may trust a York workman that that wasn't very long. "'But, Joseph, I have interest at Scarborough also. "'A castle needs a watchman for fear of tumbling down.' and that is not the soldier's business, because they are inside. There you could have quantities of sea-stuff, my good friend, and the tap of the hooked cod is nothing to it there. Cheer up, Joseph. We will land you yet. How the devil did you manage now to come so far? Well, now, Your Honor, I had rare luck for it, as I must say, ever since I set eyes on you. There comes a son of mine, as I thought were lost at sea. But not he, blow me, nearly all of him came back with a handful of guineas and the memory of his father. Lord, I could have cried. And he up and blubbered fairly, a trick that he learned from ten Frenchmen he had killed. Ah, he have done his work well. 
and aimed a good conduct fourpence half a penny a day so long as ever he shall live thereafter in this world you mean i suppose my friend but be not overcome such things will happen but what did you do with all that money joseph we never wasted none of it not half a groat sir we finished out the cellar at the hooked card first and when mother precious made a grumble of it we gave her the money for to fill it up again upon the understanding to come back when it was ready and then we got to burlington and spent the rest in poshies like two gentlemen and then we was down upon our stumps at last for only one leg there is between us both your honour my boy he ups and makes a rummage in his traps which the lord he put into his mind to do so when he were gone a few good sheets in the wind and there sure enough he finds five good guineas in the tail of an old handkerchief he had clean forgotten and he says now father you can take care of them let us go and see the capital and that good old gentleman as you have picked up a bit of news for so we shaped a course for york on board the schooner marianne and from ghoul and a barge as far as this here bridge and here we are high and dry your honour i was half a mind to bring in my bob but he saith not without the old chap axes and being such a nosy one i took him at his word though he hath found out what there was to find not me how noble a thing is parental love cried the general factor in his hard short way which made many people trust him because it was unpleasant and filial duty of unfathomable grog worthy joseph let your narrative proceed they big words is beyond me sir what use is any man to talk over a chap's head then dash your eyes go on joe can you understand that now yes sir i can and i likes a thing put sensible if a gentleman would always speak like that there need be no difference between us well it was all along of that money-bag of bob's that he and i found out anything what good were your guinea who could stand treat on that more than a night or two and the right man never near you but when you keep a good shop open for a month as bob and me did with the widow tapsy it standeth the reason that you must have everybody to be called at all respectable for miles and miles around for the first few nights or so some of them holds off for an old chalk against them or for doubt of what is afford or for cowardliness of their wives or things that they may have sworn to stop or other bad manners but only go on a little longer and let them see that you don't care and send everybody home a-singing through the lanes as merry as a voting time for parliament and the outer ones begins to shake their heads and to say that they are bound to go and stop the racket of it and so you get them all your honour saints as well as sinners if you only keeps the tap turned long enough your reasoning is ingenious joseph it shows a deep knowledge of human nature but who is this tardy saint that came at last for grog your honour he were as big a sinner as ever you clap eyes on me and my son was among the sawdust spite of our three crutches and he spreading hands at us over as a judge for lumps of ungenerous iniquity mother tapsy told us of it 
the very next day, for it was not in our power to be accurate when he done it, and we see everybody laughing at us round the corner. But we took the wind out of his sails the next night, Captain, you may warrant us. Here's to your good health, sir, afore I beats of windward. Why, Joseph, you seem to be making up lost way for years of taciturnity in the tower. They say there is a balance in all things. We had the balance of him next night, and no mistake, Your Honor. He was one of them longshore beggars as turns up here, there, and everywhere, galley-raking like a stinking ray-fish when the tide goes out. Thundering scoundrels that make a living of it, pushing out for roguery with their legs tucked up, no courage for smuggling nor honest enough. They goes on anyhow with their children paid for. We found out what he were, and made us more ashamed, for such a sneaking wrath to preach upon us, like a regular ordained chaplain, as might say a word or two and mean no harm, with the license of the Lord to do it. So my son Bob and me called a court-martial in the old tower, so soon as we come round, and we had a red herring, because we was thirsty, and we chawed up a bit of pigtail to keep it down. At first we was glum, but we got our peckers up as a family is bound to do when they comes together. My son Bob was a sharp lad in his time and could read the Holy Scripture before he chewed a quid, and I seed a good deal of it in his mind now, remembering a King Solomon. Dad, he says, fetch out that bottle as was left of French white brandy and rouse up a bit of fire in the old porthole. We ain't got many toes to warm between us. Only five, you see, your worship. But, says he, we'll warm up the currents where they used to be. According to what my son said I done, for he leadeth me now, being younger of the two, and still using half a shoemaker. However, I says to him, warm yourself. It don't lay in my power to do that for you. He never said nothing, for he take after me, in tongue and other likings. But he up with the kettle on the fire and put in about a fathom and a half a pigtail. So, says I, and he says so. And we both of us begin to laugh as long and as gentle as a pair of cockles with their tongues inside their shells. Well, your honor understands I never spake so much before since I ever passed my courting time. We boiled down the pigtail to a pint of tidy soup and strained it bright as sturgeon juice, and then we got a bottle of navy supply on a bull's-eye in the belly of it, and we filled it with the French white brandy, and the pigtail soup, and the noggin of molasses, and shook it all well together. And better contract rum, your honor, never come into high admiral's stores. But Joseph, good Joseph, cried Mr. Mordocks, do forge ahead a little faster. Your private feelings and the manufacture of them are highly interesting to you, but I only want to know what came of it. Your honor is like a child hearing a story. You wants the end first and the middle of it after, but I bowls along with a hitch and a squirt from habit of forecastle, and the more you cross his hoss, the wider I shall head about, or down helm and bear off, mayhap. I can hear my baba singing. What a voice he hath! They tell me I cometh from the timber of his leg, the same as a old cremony. 
He turned up many times in yonder old barge and shook the brown water like a frigate's wake. He would just make our fortune in the minister, they said, with black-eyed Susan and Tom Bowline. Truly, he has a magnificent voice. What power, what compass, what a rich, clear tone. In spite of the fog, I will have the window up. Geoffrey Mordox loved good singing, the grandest of all melody, and impatient as he was, he forgot all hurry, while the river and the buildings and the arches of the bridge were ringing and echoing and sweetly embosoming the mellow delivery of the one-legged tar. And old Joe was highly pleased, although he would not show it, at such an effect upon a man so hard and dry. "'Now, Your Honor, it is over bad of you,' he continued with a softening grin, to hasten me so, and then to hear me out of the window, because Bob hath a sweeter pipe. Ah, he can whistle like a blackbird, too, and gain a lot of money. But there, what good? He sacrifices it all to the honor of his heart, first maggot that come into it, and he done the very same with Brick and Gould, the Methody galley-raker. We never was so softy when I were afloat. But your honor shall hear and give judgment for yourself. Mother Precious was ready in her mind to run out a double-shotted gun at Rickon, who liveth down upon the rabbit warren, to the other side of Bempton, because he scarcely ever doth come nigh her. And when he do come, he putteth up both hands to bless her for hospitality, but neither of them into his breeches pocket. And being a lone woman, she doth feel it, Bob and me gave her sailing orders. T'would amaze you, Captain. All was carried out as ship-shape as the Battle of the Nile. There was Reckon Gold at anchor with a spring upon his cable, having been converted, and he up and hailed that he would slip at the very first bad word we used. My son had such knowledge of good words that he answered, Amen, and so be it. "'Well, Your Honor, we goes on decorous as our old quartermaster used to give the word, "'and we tried him first with the usual tipple, and several other hands dropped in. "'But my son and me never took a blessed drop except for a gin-bottle full of cold water, "'till we see all the others with their scuppers well awash. "'Then Bob, he findeth fault. Lord, how beautiful he done it! "'With the scantling of the stuff, and he shouteth out, "'Mother, I'm blessed if I won't stand that old guinea-bottle of best Jamaica, "'the one as you put by, with the cobwebs on it for Lord Admiral. "'No, Lord Admiral won't come now. "'Just you send away and hoist it up.' "'Rickon Gould pricked up his ugly ears at this, "'and Mother Tapsy did it beautiful. "'And to cut a long yarn short, we spliced him, Captain, "'with never a thought of what would come of it. "'Only to have our revenge, Your Honor. "'He showed himself that greedy of our patent rum, "'that he never let the bottle out of his own elbow, "'and the more he stowed away, "'the more his derrick chains was creaking. "'But if anybody reasoned, "'there he stood upon his rights "'and defied every way of seeing different "'until we was compelled to take and spread him down "'in the little room with the seaweeds over it. With all this, Bob and me was as sober as two judges, though your honor would hardly believe it, perhaps. But we left him in the dark to come round upon the weeds, as a galley-raker ought to do. And now we began to have a little drop ourselves after towing the prize into port and recovering the honor of the British Navy. 
We stood all round every quarter of the compass, with the bottom of the locker still not come to shallow soundings. But sudden our harmony was spoiled by a scream, like a whistle from the very bottom of the sea. We all of us jumped up as if a gun had broke its lashings, and the last day of judgment was the thoughts of many bodies. But Bobby down at once in his button-stump gun metal and takes the command of the whole of us. Bear a hand all on you, he saith quite steadfast. Rickon Gold is preaching to his own text to-night. And so it was, sure enough, so it was, your honor. We thought he must have died, although he managed to claw off of it, with confessing of his wickedness and striking to his maker. All of us was frightened, so there was no laugh among us till we come to talk over it afterward. There the thundering rascal lay in the middle of that there menagerie of sea stuff his mother precious is so proud of that the village calleth it the widow's weeds. Last if he didn't think that he were a lion at the bottom of the sea among the stars and cuddles waiting for the day of judgment. Oh, Captain McNabbins and Maid Governor, he cries, the hand of the Lord hath sent me down to keep you company down here. I never would have done it, Captain, hard as you was on me, if only I had knowed how dark and cold and shivery it would have be down here. I cut the plank out, I'll not lie, no lies is any good down here with the fingers of the deep things pointing at me, the black devil's wings coming over me, but a score of years agone it were. And never no one dreamed of it. No, pull away, pull. For God's sake, pull. That wet woman and three innocent bubbles crawling over me like cockers. This was the shadows of our legs, your honor, from good mother Tapsy's candle, for she was in a dreadful way by this time about her reputation and her weeds and come down with her tongue upon the lot of us. "'Enter all them names upon the logs,' says I to Bob, for he writeth like a scholar. But Bob says, "'Hold hard, Dad, now or never.' And with that, down he goeth on the deck himself, and wriggleth up the rickin' through the weeds, with a hiss like a great sea-snake, and grippeth him. "'Name of ship, you sinner!' cried Bob in his deep voice, like old Nick a-hailin' from the sepulchre. "'Golconda of Calcutta!' says the fellow with a groan as seemed to come out of the whites of his eyes and goes down his head again enough to split a cat head and that was the last of him we heard that night well now captain you scarcely would believe but although my knob is so much older of the pair and white where his is black as any coal bob was as first throwed the painter up for a hitchin of his drifty to the starn of your concerns and it never come across him till the locker was run out, and the two of us pulling longer faces than our legs is. Then Bob, by the mercy of the Lord, like Peter, found them guineas in the corner of his swab. Some puts it round their necks, and some into their pockets. I never heard of such a thing till chaps run soft and watery. So we come to this here place to change the air and the breeding, and spin this yarn to your honor's honor as hath a liberal twist in it and then to take orders and draw rations and any rears of pay fallen due after all dibs gone in your service and for bob to tip a stave to the minister you have done wisely and well in coming here said mr mordox cheerfully 
but we must have further particulars my friend you seem to have hit upon the clue i wanted but it must be followed very cautiously you know where to lay your hand upon this villain you have had the sense not to scare him off certain your honour i could clap the irons on him any hour you gives that signal capital take your son to see the sights and both of you come to me at ten to-morrow morning stop you may as well take this half-guinea but when you get drunk drink inwards End of chapter 25 Recording by Keith Salas